0: Welcome back to Normies Like Us, the podcast that reminds you it's hip to be square. We continue our journey into the wizarding world of Normie podcasts and compete in the Magical Olympics. It's the Harry Potter franchise on Normies Like Us. Harry, you your name the cover of the fire?
1: Voldemort's Kill the spay. No! fight. Well, you can tell Ronald. I'm not an owl. We never use
2: transfiguration as a punishment.
3: Might have mentioned it. Welcome back to Normies Like Us. As you heard up top, our quest in Hogwarts continues. We're gathered today around the Goblet of Fire, and we're going to pull some names out right now, including your hosts, um, Colin
0: Crouch Jr.
2: (laughs) I'll be a Mad-Eye Mikey.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah, this is uh, uh, Jacob Delacour. Ooh.
2: Yeah, and Joe is... is, unavailable for this one i don't think he's old enough to enter in the tournament she
0: disappeared and mysteriously
2: and uh, uh we right. don't know what
0: happened he hasn't we haven't heard from him for a month so hopefully he's okay he
2: did get that invisibility cloak so maybe he'll be back but normally we get three wizards for the tri-wizard podcast but two extra names popped out for this episode <gasps> friend of the show most recently on the fast and the furious episode cole and we're joined with lexi say hello guys
4: hi
5: hey there
2: I don't what know if you guys thought Harry up? Potter names or not, but now would be the time.
5: Yeah, um, I'm going to go with Lexi Lovegood. <laughs> nice, Ooh, perfect
0: pick not on this uh, movie, excellent. but that's okay. <laughs> no, I, I well, I'll still I watched the fifth one. Too. Yeah, yeah, it still counts. Uh, I'm
4: going to go with Voldemort. <laughs> oh, that's it's, it's the I didn't best. expect
0: it to be so oh.
2: good. <laughs> all right, shut it down. This this episode's over. It's not. Gonna,
3: it's all downhill from here. I have,
4: I works. unfortunately I have more to say about Fast and the Furious than I do Harry Potter.
3: Well, Cole, See, we're, we're a, a happy you're back. Guy. Lexi, we're happy you're here for the first time. We know you're both Potterheads, uh, <laughs> Titans of the film industry. We love you guys. We'll plug socials at the end. But uh, Cole, this is a franchise about family. You're you're telling me you like <laughs> Fast and the Furious more than <laughs> Harry Potter?
4: Not that I like it more. I, I probably know it more.
2: <laughs> the lore, the world building. Yes, you know. yeah. <laughs> the deep stuff. Uh, that's great. That's great. You're probably a Firebolt user, like I said. They are the fastest and most furious of the the broomsticks. <laughs> but uh, yeah, do we want to jump in and kind of get you guys' background on the Harry Potter franchise? Lexi, as the newest guest, do you want to give us a background on the Harry Potter fandom? You like it, you love it, grow up with it?
5: Totally, yeah. I. Um, uh, so I know Jacob has bragged me about this, but uh, I too was... Harry Potter's age when the books started coming out. So (laughs) (laughs) it's
0: almost like we're all very similar in age to each other.
5: Yeah. I don't know. Um, It was special for me though. Like in particular, I feel like, Um, yeah, no, I, I loved it. And I, um, I mean, the fourth one is definitely my favorite. um, I would say overall. And then I was just, I was thinking about it this morning and I realized like, I think I took a really big gap between finishing the fourth and then going on, to complete the series Which I've done at this point But yeah I did I took The a break books or a the while. movies You're talking about um, It was the books I took a Like big enough break That um, I The You know Big death In the sixth book Was um, mm-hmm. I know Well I'm not gonna say <laughs> Well there's a big it, death
0: In the fifth book And in the sixth book And, well, this, book. and
5: oh,
0: this book And this book Yeah A lot of death <laughs> It's so dark From here on out
2: Yeah Um, death city
5: well i feel like the one that like um i just remember like made a really big impact people were very upset by that particular death i went five or six years without finding out who it was really and i was bragging about that fact when it finally you know i annoyed someone to the point that they spoiled it it for for well they did during that conversation when i was bragging about it similar like similar to this um yeah but anyway so i (laughs) i took a long break after number four that's my fave
0: so that's your favorite wow. book. What would you say your favorite movie is out of all the movies? Would you say it's four or a different one?
5: Actually, you know what? I'm looking forward to kind of revisiting um, six and seven because mm. I think I've only seen each of those once. But um, like the first few, I've seen a whole bunch. Yeah. Right. Interesting.
2: Um, got it. Got it. Yeah, yeah. that tracks with the, I kind of stopped reading after four as we discussed in the earlier episode. We hit your Obviously, limit here, Mike. You guys Mike. already know that. We hit my limit, yeah. And I'll talk about the movie when we get into it. But Cole, how about you? What's your well, what's
4: your Potter background? I actually stopped reading after three. Uh, and, you know... Years old? Yeah, three <laughs> years old. No, after the book three, it was... At a time in middle school or high school, whenever it was, that a 700-page book... Because the difference between oh my God. three and four is like 300 or 400 pages. And at that time... Yeah, a big jump. At that time in school, I just didn't have the time to read a 700-page book. And... I just never picked the books back up. I, I'm considering starting them over now, but I've watched all the movies many times over and love Harry Potter.
0: I will say, if you want to read the books but you don't want to physically read them, what you could always do is get the audiobooks, and that's what actually what I did. I got the audiobooks on Audible. Sponsor Audible. Uh, use use the <laughs> yep, code yep, Normies please. like us. No anything.
2: Just <laughs> It's called family, um,
0: but no. If you get the audiobooks, then you can just listen to them, and I think that's a really good way to do it without you know having to actually take the time to read them because you can do other stuff while you're listening. So that's what I did for four through seven, and I really enjoyed that. As a kid, yeah, I mean, no, just I mean, just in the past couple of years, like I got them. Oh, on okay, Audible. I was gonna say that was not your first time through
3: because Jacob famously <laughs> he had such a just long commute, history, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but you're yeah, these days you were saying for this one jacob this was a all all nighter one this was one where you just sat down and did not stop right
0: yeah so um i really remember this one when it came out um i had a sleepover with my friend uh bob his name was bob and it's a fake person <laughs> no no yeah, it's a real shout person out to the fake guy bob that you just made
3: up. <laughs> he goes to another school i'm not, to gonna, dox, school you don't know I'm not
0: gonna dox his full name so i'm just gonna say his name is bob but um in case is listener of the show, probably not, but uh, w- so we, was, we were at his house, and then we went to Borders. The local Borders had a big, uh, you know, party type thing, like a midnight release thing. So people would dress up. There was like face painting, all that fun stuff, costume uh, competition, I believe. And then so we we hung out at Borders for a bit before midnight, and then everyone got their books, and uh, we went back to his house, and I just started reading. And I didn't even sleep that night. I just read all night, and I kept reading. I went home the next day, but still so, but reading, still moments reading. Moments of check in with Bob, going, "Man, Jacob,
3: are you on page three hundred? Oh my god! Like, what was the what was the back and forth yeah, I of think reading eventually, with the buddy?"
0: Um, well I, it was, it was me and Bob and some other people too, some of our other friends, but they were more, I think they all kind of fell asleep eventually, but I was just so hooked. It was such a page turner for me that I couldn't put it down, couldn't go to sleep. So I just kept reading all night, even at like, you know, 4am when they were all falling asleep and you know, I just kept reading. And then the next day, you know, I was I went home the next morning, and I was still reading, 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 and I think I finished it by the afternoon of the next day, and then I think I finally crashed and was just, like, out of it for a while. So uh, it was wow. it was definitely an interesting experience, and that remains my favorite book to this day. Not my favorite book, but my favorite Harry Potter book, obviously.
2: Right, wow. right. As we know, this is your third favorite uh, <laughs> no, franchise. I think at, to this, be at this point, it did
0: surpass the Animorphs, but I was a big fan <laughs> wow. of wow <the> <laughs>
2: Well, we get some more animagous action in this one. Uh, maybe not the movie, but there is some animorphing in this. And uh, based on the fact that you stayed up all night reading the book, you certainly had more interest in the source material than perhaps the director of the movie. So we'll get into that. <laughs> right. But then uh, when in the meat of the episode.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then when it comes to the movie, um, this movie, I, I do think it's pretty decent, but it's probably my biggest... The biggest disappointment for me in terms of the adaptation of the book, because I just feel like there's a lot of missed opportunities from from stuff they cut out of the book. And so compared to the last movie, which also had some stuff that obviously cut out this one, it was just like, um, didn't live up to the potential of the book for me.
2: Gotcha, gotcha. Colin, how about you overall? General, general goblet of fire thoughts before we jump in
3: here. I'm kind of closer to Cole, not in how cool you probably were at the time, Cole, with like a mohawk skateboard holding the anarchist cookbook instead <laughs> that's of the exactly, This exactly, exactly me, yeah. <laughs> But by the time this movie came out, I was very turned off and very tuned into the fact of, I don't like what their hair looks like. This is going (laughs) to be the one where they're like teenagers. They've got like long locks and like hormones, and it's going to be all about who they want to kiss the most. And I
0: kind of remember being like, "Ah, I might be growing out of this. It is a lot of that. And um, I had the same thought when I was watching it this time. I was like... Long hair must have been in at that time when they shot it. Cause like everyone's hair is just really long in this one. Kind of like you call them now. So you could kind of fit I, into the goblet of fire. You know, fire.
3: not how dare you not <laughs> even because I remember kids in school at the time. Like we must've been, if this was 2005, I, I don't know. That would be sophomore year. I think maybe for me and just watching these kids and just being like, they're kind of punks now. Like I'm <laughs> kind of cooler than Harry Potter at this point, And that's not where I want to be. <laughs> Right. You
2: no, know, we're on the, the, I think the heels of the Black Parade and the Taking Back of Sunday at this point. So I think <laughs> yeah, long exactly, hair was Mike. the style. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we get some rock and roll in this movie too. I mean, who, who could forget the? That's right. Can you dance like a hippogriff? I know the I can. The Weird I Sisters. It's the name of the
3: band. Thumbs down.
2: Right.
3: <laughs> so just while we're talking general, here's the last thing I want to ask you guys. If you remember this too, I did a little research here. 2005, this movie comes out. 2004. Do you guys remember a very famous SNL skit where Lindsay Lohan hosted SNL and played Hermione as like a buxomous young woman kind of growing into herself, right? That was the joke.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. I do, do remember, guys remember that. That. It's a popular YouTube thumbnail for I'm SNL. sure. Well,
3: ooh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Mike, I'm sure you're right, unfortunately. I, yeah. I was thinking about that and the reason I looked it up because – if people were already making those jokes and Jacob you said it kind of in the last episode that Emma Watson is kind of growing into be too pretty to play Hermione cut to the character in in by 3 right so by yeah, 4 well, I mean- but yeah. I mean, if, Jacob, if people are already sexualizing a kid, a fucking oh, child, sure. we were all just so okay with it at the time. Like, do you guys remember when there was that countdown website for Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen mm-hmm. to turn 18?
5: Mm-hmm. Guys, you were oh, yeah. also Miley children at that. the time, though. It's yes. like, you know, your perspective changes. Yeah, that. I was allowed to be attracted I, to I like her. I don't know. But there were, I'm just, <laughs> if the
3: people, if Jimmy Fallon was making the joke about how hot she is on SNL, that to me is like, yeah. I mean, he's an adult
0: wrote that well and the other I thing know. i was thinking about when i was watching this was like so you know she's she goes with victor crumb to the dance right but victor crumb he's like 18 or at least 17 right and then she's 14 in this movie so i thought that was a little weird that like the age difference between them but i'm pretty sure he's like late 20s considering <laughs> playing the world the actor, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. well yeah but he's still in he school was held back a couple grades yeah. he's so. basically CG, cool. quidditch but not he's much like, yeah. i think he's like yeah. a quidditch yeah, he's a Quidditch, uh, you know, uh, prodigy. So it's like the soccer... Sometimes, you know, teenage soccer players will go into the pros early or something like, like that.
2: Like LeBron James.
0: Yeah, well, he didn't... He graduated high school and then he went in, but he skipped
2: college, yeah. Oh, yeah, he was young, but... uh Anyway, I, yeah, I mean, it's all, we were, I mean, uniquely, for me, unlike anyone else in Harry Potter, I was the same <laughs> age as the characters <laughs> as, as each release I not
3: stand it. All right, guys, that's our sign. Our hormones so. are raging here. I say let's dive in. We've got the names out of the uh, cup. Let's go ahead and start the tournament here Normies Like Us. We're back. Uh, we're not going to the dance yet. First, we've got to solve the first dumb mystery. I'm not very good with clues here, so we'll, we'll throw it out to you guys. But um, we're, just, we're just talking Harry Potter. We're talking Goblet of Fire with our great guests, Lexi and Cole. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys now uh, your history again with Harry Potter and stuff. Are you watching the other films? Did you watch all the others before number four here, or did you guys just dive in on number four?
5: Well, we watched three somewhat recently, but um, Mm. it was just, yeah, but four very recently. And you watched five after four. We kind of kept going.
4: Most of (laughs) them. you kept going. (laughs) We didn't finish it. And we'll be watching five next week. Yeah, I like to hear that.
3: The the reason I ask is because, of course, I always like to know with our guests, do they work as a standalone? Yeah, I I never think they do. But this time watching this one, I really like this movie. It's got a lot of crazy, dumb stuff in it, but it's also kind of too big, I feel like. So I don't know.
0: Uh, one other thing I wanted to ask our guests in the intro that I forgot. What houses would you guys be in? Ooh. People, oh, we yeah, were talking good call. about this
4: earlier. Uh, we've we've both taken the Pottermore quiz, which I assume you guys have. Of course. Of course uh, yes. I'm a Hufflepuff. What? <laughs> um yeah, yeah, <laughs> which course. I'm not wow. ashamed of because somebody <laughs> <laughs> once explained to me that it's actually a good thing. That was me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, <that's laughs> yeah cool. This is good the movie thing. for that. Yeah um.
5: And I um, I Kind of believe I am meant to be In Hufflepuff However I lied On my quiz Trying to avoid That outcome And I wound up In Slytherin And I Now I'm very Like I'm having An identity crisis Because it's like A very Slytherin move That I made You know what I mean that's true
0: Automatically would put you in Slytherin By cheating the test So Welcome to the club I'm in Slytherin Mm.
3: I would have said You're both in Slytherin Jacob has brought up Before how easy It is to game That test So Lexi (laughs) (laughs) I think you're totally fair for doing it, but I do think that is Slytherin behavior. (laughs) Uh,
2: I mean... Harry Potter literally says, I put me where I want to be.
0: Yeah, what it comes He's down to is the hat. hat does take that into consideration. So if you feel really strongly about being in a certain house, the hat will like probably put you in that house.
5: I don't know what Pottermore quiz you guys took, but there wasn't much of a dialogue happening during my quiz. <laughs> it was pretty multiple oh, choice. To, and, and then
3: the that source. was we'll a live <laughs> chat with the hat. He was checking me yeah. out. He was asking what my interests <laughs>
2: were. Right, right sung that little hogwarts song yeah uh but, but yeah, yeah Goblet okay of fire.
0: so um so of course you know alfonso Cuarón is out he only wanted to do one movie in we have mike newell best known before this for donnie brasco and four nice. weddings and a funeral nice. um so not what you would think of when it comes to harry potter right i mean it's our first british director that's right right oh, for the franchise, franchise.
2: Yeah. And and like Chris, you know, fan of the show, he wrote in last week saying that this was his favorite book and he wanted us to take a look at this director more closely, which I also did. And yeah, it seems like he didn't really care about the source material. He did cut a lot, which you had to. Some of it I'm okay with. But there's other certain main subplots, particularly with the villain,
3: that I think suffer under this, Mm. uh, for sure. Jacob, we'll talk about it with David Yates. Um, You brought it up with Alfonso Cuaron, how much he sets the look and tone. I think because that work has been done, this is our first autopilot director, where the studio's coming in and being like, we know how to make this movie, almost what the Marvel movies do now. Let us make the movie Random Guy Who Made Donnie Brasco and a couple other movies that Colin doesn't like
0: yeah i kind of, i agree with you there i think also this happened with david yates where he's kind of like he'll go along with whatever the studio wants um but i feel like mike newell kind of just continued a lot of the aesthetic that alfonso Cuarón set up and they just kind of rolled with that um but i for sure agree with you we are back
2: in the robes though which i do like and i think there's some nice kind of technical directing especially with some of the action scenes um yeah. i think the tone a lot of that does come from Kiron's kind of setup but He's competent, but I don't think there's anything particularly special about his no, directing. No, Mike, 100 because like,
3: what yeah. you guys are saying, it's like Alfonso Cuaron, you know, I'm always talking about the WB Shields at the beginning, how beautiful I think they are in these movies. This one, the fade into a skull in a crypt, that's not Mike Newell. <laughs> like, that is like that is a very dark, crazy image that they cut right. to.
0: And I will say, I was also reading a little bit, um, doing some research, and pretty much every director has kind of said after Chris Columbus that um, they've kind of struggled to have their own identity while directing these while also kind of sticking with what the studio wanted and what JK Rowling wanted. So it's kind of a fine line because they want to put their own creative input into it, but also it's got to look like a series with the other ones.
2: For sure. For sure. Let's ask the guests then. How do you guys feel um, about kind of, the changes between the book to the movie. Cause obviously the main subplot is the whole, um, uh, house elves kind of civil rights movement. And then there's also right. a, you know, kind of a lack of focus on, um, Crouch jr. And that kind of whole reveal and, and things with kind of the mystery part at uh, also Quidditch world cup. W- where is it?
5: Exactly. Yeah. There's like so much, that's why the book is so, so big, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I actually went back and kind of reviewed, um, all of the plot points in the book. And I was really surprised, like looking back and realizing how much was left out. Um, Particularly like the beginning, I think there's um, that it's so rich, like the world that they build around the world cup and whatnot. And like the culture there. um, And I don't, we were kind of talking about it. um, And Cole asked me if like a muggle could possibly, uh, you know, stumble upon the World Cup. And I kind of remembered that... Um, I think JK does explain yeah. that. Like, No, right, they have charms?
0: all kinds of, like, protections and stuff so that, like... They just have, like... You know, it's, like, uh, disguises or something. So if you get too close, um, they have some kind of charm that makes you, like, want to turn around or, or just, like... Or just ignore it or something. So they, ha- they have right. hidden... They have ways to hide themselves for sure. Okay.
5: Yeah, I feel like a lot of that was kind of um, left out to the point that then um, they weren't able to do the muggle torture. Bit, right like right. in the book there are there's this moment where um, once the death eaters have um, made their appearance at the World Cup they um, levitate for muggles and like torture them kind yeah. of in this lynching way and that's so dark and Damn. it, it would really set the tone for this kind of shift that's happening in the series um, and they just kind of skimmed over that but uh, yeah that's no
0: I agree with you and I wanted to add to that like mm-hmm. one of my biggest problems with this movie is exactly what you're saying one of my favorite parts of any of the Harry Potter books is the beginning of this book where you have the whole Quidditch World Cup and the book, like this is like 10 chapters in the book where it starts with Harry at the Dursleys. Then, um, you know, Mr. Weasley, you know, comes to get him for the, he goes through the flu powder and that's a whole thing. Blows up the fireplace. And And then there's, there's this whole time where they're at the Weasley's house and then they go to the Quidditch World Cup and there's this whole chapter where they're just at the camp at the world cup where there's walking around, like just soaking in the world and the atmosphere. And then we get the whole world cup and it you know, it describes the whole game and everything. And you get the whole like Victor crumb and like in the book, it makes it like very clear that like, so it's like Ireland versus Bulgaria. Right. And then Ireland is the better team, but Bulgaria has crumb. Who's like the best seeker. So he's the LeBron. And, Yeah. And it's 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 almost like it's (laughs) almost like LeBron was on a really bad team versus like the Golden State Warriors. And in the book, Bulgaria is losing so badly that eventually Crum just catches the snitch to end the game, but they still lose. So it's like a rare time where that actually happens, because remember, you get 150 points for catching the snitch. So they're down at least 150 points when he catches it. But just to put him out of the misery. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So so he he gives up the game, but then like the final score is like a hundred and like seventy to a hundred and sixty, right? So they they just needed to get Bulgaria to score two right, more goals and then was, catch it. It was so it.
0: runaway that they were never going to be able to catch up, I guess.
2: But if the final score with the hundred and fifty was only a ten point loss,
0: right? But it's like they couldn't right? even score. I don't know. I don't remember what the final score was, but Look, the rules don't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> we played them but, a match but it really it really kind of goes into like. The details it of the establishes
2: game. something with crumb's character yeah. too where he won't he wants to only he won't he'll lose on his
3: turn right on, right? you guys are saying it's not enough to have a scene where Harry says or <laughs> Hermione says to him when did you get here yesterday when did you get here right now let's go yeah they're here that's the run whole,
0: <laughs> that's the whole problem is like it's so glossed over and it's it's such a tease too with the World Cup where it's like literally it shows it up to the start of the game and then cuts and then it's nighttime after the game it's like but I wanted to see the game and it's just so rushed and so glossed over so that's my but least favorite part say the to the music. film?
3: making point because i said bigger and obviously our our main complaint between the five of us is you've got a book this dense you know denser than a fucking rock and they make it into a two hour and 20 minute movie yes obviously stuff gets cut but look at the filmmaking techniques you know a later scene the kids are learning to dance scene the the editing in that film is a, a super small scene Everybody's there. We're all learning to dance. Look at Neville. It's so dumb that he likes to know how to dance. Match cut two. Neville's dancing alone in his room. We're kids watching him. God, he's such a loser. Match cut two. the kids are walking somewhere else. It's hard to talk to girls like the pacing of the film is the the scenes. There's probably more scenes than there's dialogue in the movie because you're just moving nonstop.
0: Well, that's the thing is I understand why they had to like cut so much at the beginning because it does. It's not ultimately important to the plot so to keep things moving mm-hmm. but like this is a movie that could have been three hours easily and could have been you know held my attention all the way so i feel like this one they cut a little too much
2: there was a discussion to make it into two movies and it, it was the studio or the director or both decided now nah, we don't need to do that and right this is also the one with like the least amount of classes like, yeah. you know, there's mm-hmm. more classes in the book, but they don't really go. I mean, do you guys miss that, Lexi Cole? Do you miss the, the lack of classes, kind of, it's all about the tournament?
5: Um, I don't think so. I still think there's such a good amount of magic, and that was my favorite part about seeing classroom settings anyway, is, like, you know, watching what goes down and what they're learning, and we're, we're getting so much of them practicing right. um, and, like, you know, sharpening their skills in order for Harry to be able to compete with...
3: But Lexi, Any you're else? not coming to this as, like, the boarding school fantasy. We've kind of <laughs> found maybe some people do.
5: Um, guess not. Like the, <laughs> guess I got it's enough like of that. like the boarding
3: school young, mature yeah. wizard anime, on okay. own.
5: We're getting, like, yeah, sure, I understand, like, the appeal of that kind of, um, this, like, capsule place, right? That, um... I don't know. But it, it, we get a little bit of that boarding school feel with things like the Yule Ball and, you know... Um. Yeah,
0: I did like the Yule Ball. Um, and we do have the one class with Moody where they, he's teaching the unforgivable curses and stuff. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, I felt like the big problem with this movie is just um, it's just they hit all the points that they need to hit, but it just feels like everything is so bare bones because it's, there's so much to get through. There's so much plot that they just have to hit these points and then move on immediately. So it just all feels very kind of rushed to me.
5: I will say, I agree. I think I, um, when we were watching it, I turned to Cole in the first like 15 minutes. I was like, does this, does the pacing feel like super rushed to you? But it's, I think that goes back to your question, Colin, of like, do these work as standalones? And this one, I would say no, because there's, you, you have, you just have to like jump in. You're already in this world for uh, what? Seven hours at this point. If you totally, you know, watch all the movies back to back at that point um yeah
2: totally i think like i because this one we get to hogwarts within i think the first 15 minutes of the movie and all the other ones it's been like around the 25 30 minute mark more or less i mean some of them are even yeah later. And i think that's but uh, it gets there quick And because yeah. they
0: wanted to focus on the Triwizard wizard cup right that's the most important part so they wanted to hit the they wanted the big action set pieces with the dragon and the underwater so they had to focus on those, but it comes at the expense of some of the more interesting world-building moments like them being at the Quidditch World Cup. So I kind of... It just loses some of the magic for me because of that. That pun intended as well. Um, I think I've
2: realized... um, I really enjoyed watching this one, and last time I said Azkaban was probably my favorite movie, and now I think it might be this one, even with the stuff that had been Mm. cut. I, I was just having a lot of fun watching it, but at the same time I realized what I like the least about the Harry Potter movies is Harry Potter. Yes. And it's everything else that's great. But Harry Potter is such a bad character and he doesn't know anything magical. What's a pull well, key? It's like, you've been in school long enough. Yeah, like, no, come I on. totally you noticed go. that
0: this time too, where it's like this it's, it's lazy exposition is what it is to explain certain things in the mm-hmm. movie. Because it's like, Oh, what's a, what's a death eater? Oh, you don't know what death eaters? This is your fourth year at Hogwarts and you're being told, <laughs> By people that are the same yeah, age as you, do, right? you're being explained things. So how do you not know this yet? And it's just so that the audience can understand certain things that are introduced, but it just feels lazy when it's like wrong I, telling But you don't something. think,
3: Jacob, it really points to the level of protection that they're giving Harry, that they're treating him so sensitively, they're withholding all the information. I'll say the one time it ever works for me is when uh, he who shall not be named himself at the end is saying, didn't you know the reason I died was old magic and your mom was... Doing this. Harry has no fucking clue about any of that. Nobody's bothered to oh, ever yeah. explain that shit to him. I don't even know what a portkey no, is. that's good for sure. Yeah, but,
0: yeah, it's he's like dumb He should know what portkeys are. I mean, they should well, know what the unforgivable no, curse are. I mean,
4: I don't know if I agree with that. It, he was never raised with it. I mean, he had no idea growing up. Right, but you know, Hermione like, was, was right, but Hermione's a busybody and studies all the time. Harry's, Harry's a cool guy.
2: You know, we're not going to study.
4: True. Right.
2: That's right. Yeah, Harry's doing kickflip exactly. with Cole. You
4: know? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I but I think Harry wasn't raised with magic at all, and a lot of these other students were raised with with magical families, and so that's fair. I just feel like there's a lot of these things.
0: Yeah, I just feel like there's certain mm. things that he should have learned at school and he should already know about at this point. But I that's fair. I can
2: I can see the counterpoint for sure, Cole. And um, you know, he is kind of at the end of the day the audience kind of POV character. So there's a lot of times, especially in this, I this one's particularly it's like I don't know if he solves anything on his own like he gets solutions from other characters the entire movie movie. but in the book I think exactly yeah and so thoughts on that Lexi Cole Harry being a chief. Well, but he
5: he never intended to compete in the first place. Like, and he, as he shouldn't Mm. have, the thing is he's not capable as a fourth year student of competing and really like surviving without an extra hand helping him. Um, But that, you know, is true from the start. He wouldn't have even been able to enter had there not been this other hand in motion kind of guiding and directing his fate. So um, what was the question? Right. Well,
0: but also the other thing (laughs) is I think that um, sort of the theme of these books is that Harry gets a lot of help from his friends. And that that's what's you know important is like having friends that'll help you and support you. So that kind of supports that theme, right? I guess so.
2: I'm just thinking, is there one situation that he did through his own effort or willpower Mike, in this entire I'll movie? I'll say it right now. The dragon, I, maybe. I have
3: been so pro the team, anti-Harry, anti-Harry from the time my brother reread these books. I think it happens the second time everyone gets exposed to it. They go, eh, he's kind of a jerk the entire time, or he's selfish, he's self-centered. Look at it this way, guys. When Lord Voldemort is resurrected at the end of the movie and he gets up and he's toying with him, you know how to duel, don't you? You know how to do this. And he runs and hides for a second and he's behind that grave and it looks bad. He chooses to walk out and do that final duel with him. He has no idea that he has some sort of magical backup or help or you know special thing that's going to get him out of there. He truly thinks he's about to die or that he's about to yeah. face down the worst wizard in the world and that is an act of bravery
0: but he also uses the okay, most yeah. like basic spell right expelliarmus i love that <laughs> I, he is dumb, I
5: love that i think that that, <laughs> that hear, is yeah. such like a cool moment because it is like a true testament to the fact that he like he's a student you know he is not first of all he's not equipped to like have um, An ability uh, that's going to match this, you know, great wizard. He also doesn't have it within him, I think, to like even attempt one of those curses. So he's going to use what it, what is true of him, and like what's in his heart. And I just think it was such a cool moment when this innocent, like, basic spell manages to match what is being thrown at it. Um, And, you know, we learn later, which they don't touch on in the movies, but that both wands were built from um, two feathers from the same phoenix, right? It's
0: actually Fox, Dumbledore's Mm. phoenix, Um, but they don't explain this in the movie. But yeah, that's why that whole thing happens at the end with the red and the green lights, because they're like sister wands, basically Voldemort's and Harry's wands, same phoenix core. I just...
2: I mean, Doubledore has the line about it. It says some godly gook wizard. Right. Speak. Priori you know, and Cantata. says the name of. But this- and that's yeah, why yes, the-, yes, the-, exactly. the-, the
0: last people he kill come up, and uh, like Cedric and then his parents come up. So, yeah.
2: I think that's pulling me around on the point. Yeah. The fact that he walks out knowing he doesn't know anything and throws Expelliarmus Armis at Avada Kedavra, that is pretty mm-hmm. badass. Right. Okay. I'll give Harry some points. But to me, there. that
0: whole duel, it you know, we compare it to Star Wars a lot. That's like, you know, that's like. Uh, vader versus luke right empire strikes yeah. back but that's like the yeah. first vader versus luke and then before luke becomes empire strikes right, right, back. That hand. luke trains and becomes a badass which will happen you know later right in the deathly hollows hopefully and we end on
2: a downer in like a, a bit of a dark yeah moment this is the empire i think of the harry potter series for sure um yeah. we face a threat for the first time Things we kind real. of fail right
0: yeah well well Batman this is kind gets of yeah, it's the split. There's a split between in the series, right? There's the first four books up until Voldemort comes back. And that's where the I think the split happens. Of It gets much darker mm-hmm. from here because Voldemort is back in the flesh before he was always like just an idea. And, like he's trying to come back. Um, now he's an active threat. Right. So things are like really getting real now.
2: Maybe that's what I enjoy, is that you get kind of that the first three-movie vibe of just some fun magical stuff, and then you get that heavy, dark, kind of Death Eaters Voldemort plot, kind of becoming more active.
3: we are reaching the territory though mike i know you're done with the books from this point on i've again read them of course mm-hmm. but my brains are mush at this point so everything i think happens from this point on i always learn is just the seventh movie the one that's the two parter mm-hmm. like so the other the other <laughs> yeah. two i'm always like and the other three i'm like oh like i have no fucking clue who the half blood prince is and all that garbage <laughs>
0: Yeah, um, Yeah. five and six as movies and books, they kind of blend together for me a lot um, because like like Prisoner of Azkaban and Goblet of Fire, they're very distinct. Like I know Prisoner of Azkaban, you know, it's all about Sirius Black, blah, blah, blah. This one's all about the Triwizard Cup. The next two is just kind of like there's not these big overarching plots going on. Yeah, it's all kind of becoming Mm. more connected, but it's less um, of an individual structure like this one. This one has a really good structure with the Triwizard Cup going on the whole time.
3: But Jacob, Um, the queen of breadcrumbs again, uh, JK, we always have to throw her out. Did you know how much pensive slash dream stuff was being laid to the groundwork in this one that we're going to move forward to in the next one?
0: Yeah, and actually even more stuff in the books. because, like, So when he goes into that memory where he sees Barty Crouch Jr. and all that stuff, that's way more in-depth in the book. And um, this is actually even the first time he sees Bellatrix Lestrange who's not wow. in this movie, obviously. Um, but so Bellatrix Restrange was strange part of a group of death eaters, including Barty Crouch Jr. who tortured, uh, Neville's parents. And that kind of gets thrown out there as one line where it's like, you tortured Frank Longbottom. Right. But, um, that's way more in depth in the books. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And having like, re- like I went back and, you know, looked at the plot points and I was like, I forgot that Crouch was being mad. Eye moody pretending to mm. be right. And, so he brings Neville up to show him doing Crucio on that spider, and then just how fucked yeah. up and dark mm-hmm. that is, and then knowing that it's Crouch Jr. doing it and not just this weird alcoholic. It's right. so like, it, it adds a lot to that character, and I wish there was more. Oh, Mike. I'm always making Crouch these jokes. Yeah. But
3: uh, that would be like if you're in anatomy class and your bio teacher, you know, you're all like making jokes dissecting a frog, and you raise your hand and you're like, "Well, my frog's still alive," and he pulls out a gun and shoots it. Like <laughs> Maddie moody evada cadavera" is that fucking weird bug they're operating on just kills it right in front of you. If you're a kid, I'm going to administration. I'm getting that meeting with Dumbledore to at least talk about
0: that. Well, yeah, it's totally illegal. And the thing you have to keep in mind while watching this is that's not the real Mad-Eye Moody. And that's actually, Mm -hmm. you know, Barty Crouch, Mm -hmm. who's a crazy, you know, Voldemort follower. So, um, but obviously we do meet the real Mad-Eye Moody later in the series. Um, But yeah, so he's just pretending and he's doing which is strange. He's even
2: he's forcing Longbottom to look at what happened to his parents. Right. It's, also,
0: it's also really it's, dark. it's pretty sadistic. Yeah,
5: it's and also Harry gets of... it at
3: the end. But hold on, let me ask you guys this. So, Lexi Cole, uh, are you guys Doctor Who fans? Obviously, the casting here is David Tennant is the big, David big addition.
0: Love him. Never,
5: Never seen, seen it. it. I mean,
0: neither. Um, <laughs> I'm a I'm not a huge Doctor Who fan, but I did watch during the christopher eccleston and david Tennant eras which is ah. like i uh, got to be like 10 15 years old now but um david Tennant was the best um doctor who in my mind so after I mean, david you see Tenet, why was...
3: jacob he just slays it the guy is oh, yeah, just he's so great. good he's i mean so he's great in jessica part.
0: jones as the purple man um so yeah he fucking kills it especially when he gets to play like a really crazy villain like he can really kill it in those roles
2: got a little too much tongue action for me, but I do love him in broad church. Uh, That's my favorite David Tennant Yeah, well,
0: speaking of of the guests, I mean, there's a lot of uh, really animated acting in this, right? So we have, obviously, David Tennant. We have Brendan Gleeson, who's playing Barty Crouch as Mad-Eye Moody, who's just super over the top. And then, of course, we have Dumbledore, who's super over the top and and animated and aggressive in this one, right? How do you guys feel about Dumbledore in this movie?
5: What are you thinking of specifically when you say? So, well, if you
0: watch the earlier movies first in the first two, it's Richard Harris. who's Mm -hmm. like this very old man who's about to die. And he's like a grandfather. He's very. um, Yeah. But then in the third one, it changes to this actor now, Michael Gambone. But I feel like he was still a little more withdrawn. Uh, Let me
3: give you a moment. So this mm-hmm. is the only time I've ever felt queer energy from Dumbledore. Like, you know, I know that it was put in post. I don't think that shows up in the writing. I truly don't think JK was intending that. But only this, in the later
0: ones when they start talking about Grindelwald, yeah
3: uh I, I, yeah i guess so i guess that's true uh but in this one when he's sitting in that chair and he has to talk about how robert pattinson's dead and he's having this total diva moment lexi and he's like all upset and he makes like a huge like big spring up and like action to be like this is just like awful what's happening here everybody and he goes into this big speech i was like god you are just killing
0: it right now Dumbledore. i did like that yeah. I did like that moment. He
3: looks amazing. He's got so much
0: jewelry on, Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> but the stuff what? I don't like is like in the beginning when he's like, like when Harry's name comes out of the goblet, right? And he goes down and then Dumbledore comes in and he's like, did you put your name in the, it's like almost a <laughs> meme now, right? Where it's like, did you put your name in the goblet of fire? And he like starts shaking him and stuff. And it's like, Oh, Dumbledore, calm down! I'm like I didn't do it. Right, because in the book, like
2: they they made the meme on the internet, and it's like he said calmly, "Did you put your name in the goblet of fire?" And then it hard cuts to him yelling at Harry, you know, and that's kind of his energy. He's uh,
3: he's always really he's very high. Showy, I love this very this was the only one yeah. I've ever been team Dumbledore. <laughs>
5: <laughs> you know what? I, I, I didn't more. think of it in the moment, but I'll say that that. A uh, second where he's sitting in his big throne in front of the Great Hall and about and talking about Cedric that did stick into my brain. Like, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Thank um, you.
0: Yeah, yeah that's a great. I mean, I think he does do, he's like Michael Gambone, He's winning me over as Dumbledore because I always, always, you know, I always thought Richard Harris was the best Dumbledore, but he's really winning me over with these rewatches. Um, but I also wanted to mention um, we have another moment where, you know, in previous ones, Dumbledore will be like, Oh, you know, Gryffindor actually wins the House Cup because I just gave him a bunch of points. Right. In this one, we Mm -hmm. have the mermaid scene. Right. So Harry comes up last and then they announce the winners like, well, Harry, because of outstanding moral fiber, you get second place, even though you were last. It's like, because you're a really good sport
4: cheat. Cheats the entire time yeah. <laughs> It looks also, very oh, suspicious
0: wait. for Dumbledore Because Cedric won And then you put Harry second So yeah. the two Hogwarts people mm, are first right, and second
5: right. They they change some of... Um, the second uh yeah. right in the from book to movie. So like in the movie, Neville gives Harry the Gillyweed, but yes. um that's because of course it's... they've cut all of the house elf yes. subplot out. Yes. And so in the book it is Dobby, Dobby who gives him the Gillyweed. And there's
0: also a whole character, Winky, I think mm. her name is, right? The Winky. drunk elf, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a whole so Dobby <laughs> we what we find out in the fourth book is that house elves work at Hogwarts and they're secretly, they're making all the food, doing all the cleaning and stuff. I guess whatever Filch isn't doing, cause he's also like the janitor or whatever. <laughs> but, um, so there's this like in earlier books, the food just appears on the tables and then we're, we're revealed in this one. Well, where do you think the food comes from? These, these house elf slaves are making it basically. Um, but we find out Dobby now works at Hogwarts and he has a friend named Winky. Who's like this, um, female house elf, um, <laughs> who, I don't remember what her deal is, but she like cries a lot. She's a, a sub,
5: while. basically.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, she was she was she was Barty Crouch's house elf, right, in the books, and then and she's like been abused and yeah, shit. But he uh, like, <sighs> like
2: she she knows the truth about you know Barty Junior having escaped because his mother switched places yes. with him and died in his prison. And like, you know, they've been drugging the father to like do all this crazy stuff. And she's had to witness. This.
0: Yeah. So she basically uh, she's taken to the bottle. Right. And she gets like fired by Barty Crouch Sr. And then she goes to work at Hogwarts. But she's all sad because she wants to work for Crouch. But then we get this whole subplot that I've talked about before. Spew, which is Hermione's house elf right, rights activism group that she starts by herself. And basically everyone treats her like basically a nuisance, uh, for doing this. And, um, even, you know, the quote unquote good characters are like not interested in it. And it's just very funny to think about how, like, you know, it's just so ingrained in wizard culture that they're so against this, you know,
3: our favorite heroine kind of takes a hit in this movie. Um, she kind of becomes a gadfly. She's just annoying about the dance, you know, it's like, Uh, Lexi do you love Hermione we've been we love her on this podcast
5: I love her I love her and I think that she did the right thing by you know really giving it to Ron at the end of the Yule Ball no
0: I think uh, Hermione's great in this movie I think Ron's a huge dummy in this whole
5: movie oh my god what a wet
0: blanket right because he's like first he's like Mad at Harry because he's like jealous, and then he's mad at then he's like jealous of Victor Crumb and everything because he, he's in love with Hermione, God, obviously. Guys, guys, I'm
3: so anti Ron in every one of these. This was the <laughs> one movie he was slaying for me. He has no, lines he's worst in film. thing. I he's think he is by far it. the
5: funniest part. Uh, like, he's the funniest cast member. Um, and actually, this movie for me, I was surprised it had like the strength of the comedy in it overall. I thought that like it had it shown
0: pretty. Yeah, there's there. some good, um,
5: some
3: let's really one-liners and summer. stuff. You know, I won't.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, I like how they just ended on like, <laughs> oh, let's keep in touch. And, they're just, and Harry and Ron are just like, nah, the we're not going to do that.
5: Ending was actually. the biggest problem i had with the whole thing i was like wait we just all watched cedric die right and then they like end it on this like weird kind of we have to tie things up in a nice bow and they're all it feels like they're going off to any other normal summer but as we've all discussed this is like the point in the book where things get really really bad right and
0: and hermione's even like you know everything's going to change now right and Gonna gonna write it to that. You? Yeah. how would you like
3: your friend to ask you that you have to give like a not serious answer or how would you like your headmaster Jacob to say dark things are afoot to whatever
0: his famous quote yeah. is it's like Jesus Christ well, he's basically saying like the government doesn't want me to tell you this but I think that you know you deserve to know because shit is gonna get real um, yeah it's really crazy yeah one of our most beloved students has
2: died at the hands of you know wizard hitler he's back he wants to kill all non-pure blood wizards have a good summer <laughs> be sure to write you yeah. know it's weird
5: can i ask a question of you guys yeah
2: please um, oh um, wow
5: whoa. um what is your favorite of the uh challenges which of the three
3: Oh, uh, what <laughs> an amazing question Alexi.
0: Well, I want to say that um, I really liked in the books, the third challenge is really interesting. In this one, they kind of change it because in the books, remember, there's like a sphinx that gives you a riddle. And there's like all these like different puzzles and traps and stuff you have to get through. Whereas in the movies, it's just like the branches will mess with you and they don't have all the different like stuff that they had in the books. Um, So I didn't like it in the Mm -hmm. movies, but I really like how it's described in the books, the big maze. Well, and real quick, let's say all three. It's you fight a dragon,
3: you rescue somebody from mermaids, and then you go in a hedge maze, mm-hmm.
4: right?
2: And just try to touch the cup. Yeah, I don't
3: know, Cole. Um,
4: I mean, mm. um, I probably like the underwater the one, but also I think the underwater one's kind of messed up because they're risk not only they're risking the people's lives who are in the tournament, but they're risking all their friends' lives who are students, right? right but in the trapping them underwater for extended periods of time.
0: Yeah, in the books, they explain that like they're never really in danger. Like the adult wizards are monitoring it, and like in Harry, the movies, they sure are. Well, that's what they want you to think. <laughs> but like in like after Harry, Harry's basically a brave, he's a noble idiot because he thinks they're actually in danger, so he stays and tries to save the other people. Then everyone acts like he's an idiot after because they're like, "Didn't you know? Like you weren't really in danger. You just had to rescue your person. Like it was going to be fine." Um, well, that one girl thanks <laughs> thanks Harry for saving her sister yeah but i'm just saying like in the books how they describe it is that they're not really in danger
5: none of the challengers um know that like so for her the stakes are as real as they were for harry mm-hmm. who bought in enough to go save all of the other people so. right
0: but in the books i think they explain it gotcha. a little better where it's like it seems real to them but at, at the end of the day I'm like were, a game, they're not let nobody would kill die. A
3: people i love if i was playing it <laughs> i don't know yeah
2: yeah, which is, you know, like we see in the movie again, there's like this maybe raising the stakes for a set piece sake. Because like, you know, we have a dragon scene, which in the book is like, he kind of, what's over there? And he, he zips over and he gets the egg. Yeah, right? he doesn't fly straight all around
0: school and like land on the...
2: The dragon doesn't escape from its chain, at which point the staff doesn't intervene in any way whatsoever. <laughs> right, and Harry like right. falls that off does.
0: his broom and is like hanging off the Hogwarts at one point. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, that so, does really happen, uh, but... Makes a great action scene, but yeah, it's a little. Makes it, the whole tournament seem way too dangerous. And again, as we've said on every other episode, the Hogwarts staff is putting children mm-hmm. in
3: danger every, every of chance yeah. they can. This administration, uh, Mike, I want to hear yours. Yeah. What's your favorite of the uh, three?
2: I mean, I like the dragon one just because I, you know, I'm a fan of dragons. I'm the anti-Joe. You know, <laughs> dragons will work dragons for me. Are cool. And I think this is a really good on screen depiction of a dragon. I think it looks pretty good. The fireball is very I was I was good Yeah, yeah. I think I think they did a good job.
0: Yeah, I like the Hungarian Horetail. You know. Um yeah, it's great.
3: Chinese fireball. Chinese Ooh. Fireball. Lexi, I want to hear yours. What was your favorite of the three?
5: I love the second one. I love um, underwater anything. Like underwater worlds are so I just delicious to me i don't know why Um, all right hold on
3: i'm with you would you eat the gillyweed in the book is described as just being a ball of earthworms basically
5: (laughs) 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 i feel like yes especially like he had no other plan you know what i mean so you gotta eat the gillyweed at that point um and yeah i think I think totally, although it does, doesn't it look painful? Like it seems like at that transition oh, period, yeah, becoming amphibious gills. is like very painful. Um, but yeah, just from like top to toe, I love that one. Um, beginning with the um, watery scene in the bathtub, that bathtub is the shit.
0: Oh yeah. The way they describe it in the books too, it's like, has all these like jets and things.
5: Different like scents and aromatherapy, right? And yeah. Bubbles and stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's the
0: prefects bathroom. So
2: it's like a Korean.
5: <laughs> That's yeah. Exactly what it's like. And yeah. we should yeah. also its
0: pretty awesome. <laughs> also want to mention that we get the return of moaning Myrtle, right? Which is cool. great because I didn't mention it in chamber of secrets and I forgot, but fun fact, uh, normies, this is really crazy, but moaning Myrtle, the actress that plays her was the voice of Babu Frick, our favorite character <laughs> from star Wars. <laughs> wow. Hey,
2: hey. wow. <laughs> and I think at the time of filming this one, she was like, in her late 30s like 38 or 39 oh, yeah. and so, she's in that bathtub with weird Harry weird choice by the director to and yeah Harry, she's going underwater and
0: when Harry goes person. underwater she's underwater with him you know she's seeing his his wand if you know what I mean this is kind <laughs> of <laughs> I love that we're bringing this up this is kind of the
3: rise of Skywalker weird choice movie you know what I mean of Harry Potter it's the only other film I've ever seen <laughs> with the kind of pace where while I'm watching I'm like stop please
0: yeah yeah it's because there's just so much to get through and you know that's why i'm saying it just they have to cover all these beats
2: but yeah all things considered even though it's very fast and they cut out a lot from the book i just i just really found myself enjoying this one to where i up to this point i think it's my favorite Mm. one we definitely we watched so far and i've only seen the other ones maybe once each we'll see as we get there there's something about it's really fun and the ending is just so emotional like oh yeah you know voldemort and cedric and cedric's father i really think you know Besides the abrupt tonal shift in the very next scene, you know, it's pretty successful. I have to agree
0: with you, Mike. I mean, I like it because it's an adaptation of my favorite book, but I am disappointed because of things that got cut out. But that scene where, first of all, the whole climax is great going from, you know, the Triwizard tournament, they go to the graveyard and everything. But coming back and Harry's just like crying, you know, hugging Cedric's dead body and then You know, everyone's cheering, and then they start to slowly realize what's happening, and then Cedric's father coming down. Like, that actually got me a little emotional. It was, like, pretty real.
5: When you think, too, about, like, the mass trauma that, like, all of these students are now experiencing (laughs) in this single moment, it's it's pretty dark.
0: Yeah, it's just like, oh, there's he's dead. And like, you know, with the band playing and stuff, they just kind of slowly trail off and then. Oh, but Lexi,
3: let alone, if you're also one of the students who went to the, uh, world cup earlier this year and an alt right rally broke out, it's like, you you just see your whole life. You're just like, ah, these motherfuckers (laughs) just keep coming in and ruining our fun.
1: Mm.
3: Yeah.
2: And now the worst of them's back. I, I, then I have a couple questions about things related to things cut from the book or trimmed out. Right. Let's start with, you know, our champions for the Wizard. We have Cedric, Victor Crumb, and Fleur LaFleur. Fleur Delacour. right? I forget. Fleur,
5: Fleur Delacour. Um,
2: <laughs> they're pretty much... Well, she became the Fleur when the flowers absorbed her in the maze. Um, they're kind of non-characters, in my opinion. Yeah. But Lexi Cole, what do you guys think about book versus movie? How do I've you, you re- know, the, our champions? Well,
5: I, I remember in the book... Um, feeling uh like when they describe fleur like i think we later find out right that she's actually like a descent like there's yeah. fairies in well, her lineage or something
0: yeah um this is because mm-hmm. um so in the world cup part uh the quidditch world cup there's the Vila, right and they, sh- they nice. introduce the Vila, which are like these right. these creatures that home improvement specialist. <laughs> well they're like these creatures that are like beautiful women that like um they're basically like succubuses mm-hmm. where they were all men are like irresistible. They're like irresistible to men and they I like put them in a remember trance this at all. Well, it was not in the movie. It's only in the books, but, um, so I, mean, I don't then, remember from reading it. <laughs> yeah. But later they, uh, because they're like the mascots for Bulgaria because Ireland has leprechauns and it's a whole thing. But, um, later we find out that Fleur is like, Descended from Vila at some point, her grandmother, I think. So that's why she has this irresistible charm to men. Wow!
5: I felt this magnetic
0: attraction,
5: like in the movie. I didn't see that, but also like she she just doesn't have like a very big role, so I don't know that it was like super important to make sure that she was this like super magical being. I could not believe the introduction to the girls at that school. (laughs) That little like flight attendant (laughs) outfit that they were wearing, the like Pan Am thing with their like hula dance. I was like, what is going on? (laughs) Well, The
0: fact that both schools have. Like this whole routine that they have when they come in. Like the Durmstrang have like those staffs that they're like banging on the ground. The
3: Fire Nation did. And <laughs> so they're weird. all monogendered. Uh, Hogwarts is the only mixed uh, school.
0: No, no. In the books, there's men at the French school, and there's like I didn't understand why they're all like these beautiful women. Like it's a whole school that's just only attractive women. Like that's not how <laughs> it is in the books. So <laughs> there's men and women.
2: It's like servicing most of Eastern or Western Europe. Like wizards need to go there, and it's like,
0: oh, we're only allowing witches. You know, yeah, and, witches right. and only. then Durmstrang is yeah. all like, you know, scary-looking Eastern European men. But um, no, I think in in yeah. the books, it's it's there's there's boys and girls at all schools. It's just the way that things they chose to emphasize in the films. I think to make a quick point, oh, I would have definitely I asked weird a choices for Darmstrong girl to the dance. Then <laughs> like a
3: really mean Bulgarian lady. That would have been
5: awesome very thick eyebrows um i i love the, like the dwarf uh the ship though that to me is like set, what a cool oh, introduction yeah. and then like again when they leave it just like descends into the black like i think and it's
0: the, awesome. the chariot from the french school and then she's well, like hold oh, on lexi i want to go to victor
3: crumb with you for a second because mm-hmm. i have a friend who has pointed out <laughs> to me you know because we're not gonna have you on for other episodes so i want your meta harry potter takes as well okay. uh where she was saying, doesn't it make so much more sense for Hermione to end up with Victor Crumb, that it's the circumvention of the trope of nerd gets the cool jock, but it's, you know, genders are flipped, opposed to it's just two best friends that end up together? Hmm.
5: Well, I mean, we're talking then about like a completely different... I don't, it's hard for me to imagine what that character Victor Crum would need to transfer to Hogwarts. You know what I mean? Like no one's doing an LDR between Hogwarts and Durmstrang. <laughs> <Right>.
3: <Like,
0: laughs> well, Lexi, it's easy to communicate for these people. <laughs> in later right. books, there's some like throwaway lines where she's like, yeah, I'm still in touch. Or, like we're pen pals, basically. So she's still writing to Victor Crumb occasionally. So they stay friends.
2: I like that. Interestingly, in the history of... I I researched these schools because I was like, I want to know more (laughs) about this, you know? So, Durmstrang, I guess, historically had been in favor of pure bloods only and some of the old, Uh uh, you know, headmasters and stuff believed in that. So, it's interesting that Victor Crumb is like, yeah, you know, this (laughs) muggle-born, she's kind of cute, you know? So, he is at least advancing, you know, social issues in the wizarding world. That's
0: why, you know, Karkarov Karkarov was a former Death Eater and Mm -hmm. stuff. So, yeah, they have a lot of ties to that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Have you guys... Yeah, so he's pretty progressive. Have
5: you done any, like, looking into where those schools would exist? Because I feel like, I know that people do this, and they've figured out where, like, oh, you know this. Okay, let's hear
2: Well, I did some slight research. Um, So, the Durmstrang is actually... They're so secretive that when you visit it, they cast a memory charm on you that causes you to forget anywhere where it's located, but you can remember mm-hmm. the grounds Amazing. of it. And it's supposed to be like pretty, pretty badass and cool. It's like four stories, whatever. So no one knows where it is except for, you know, the staff. I assume even the students forget the location, you know, when they leave.
0: Uh, and oh. then I think. Yeah.
5: Well, they, they also wear those like big fur coats. Right. Isn't that part of it? Like yeah. you so look somewhere for, like, in the mountain, I guess, where
0: it's I think cold. it's yeah. Yeah. the staff. It's vaguely Eastern European. I think obviously the other what's the what? Bobatons? They're obviously in France, right? Somewhere in the mountains in France is for where that yeah. was vaguely described. As, and Hogwarts. Yeah. Fun fact about Hogwarts. It's actually in Scotland. Um, I think JK oh, Rowling really? has said before that, yeah, it's in Scotland, but it has, um, you know, memory charms around it too. So if like a muggle gets too close to it, they suddenly remember something that they had to, like they left their stove on. So they turn around. Um, so it's, <laughs> it's somewhere in the highlands of Scotland and that's why they have Hogsmeade, which is like the little Scottish village by it. A
2: lot of hogs. I did enjoy though. Yeah. That Durmstrang won't even let other wizards know where it is. Like no one right. can really map it, which is cool, but somewhere cold for sure.
5: What a sweet little detail that, like, the if a muggle gets too close, they turn around because they think their stove is on. Like, as a no. person with OCD I who has turned Ubers <laughs> around because <laughs> my stove is on.
0: That's how they get you. That's
2: that seems it. like a, just... I think it's dangerous. No, that's the type of thing that Ron's father would have had to research. What do muggles worry about? The stove? What's the stove? Could they leave it on? Right. You know, that's his job that's yeah, our charm. And also
0: like there's certain like you can't apparate onto hogwarts grounds so they're very there's a lot of protections around it so that you know a, a death eater can just apparate into the grounds and like kill somebody that's good that's good that they don't do that until at least the seventh movie <laughs> well once you know Voldemort's in full power you know a lot of the systems and society start breaking down in, in the wizarding world so
5: well, I was just going to say that actually it was something I was kind of thinking about earlier um, when you were talking about Mad-Eye Moody, like um, demonstrating these curses in front of his classroom. It's kind of the first time that we see this infiltration of Hogwarts where mm. it's no longer the safe place. Because even when Sirius right. Black is on the loose and we're not aware of the truth behind who he really is and we think he's this dangerous serial killer. It is, um, you know, the idea is that Hogwarts is the safest place for Harry to be. Totally. Um, So with this, like, infiltration of the faux Mad-Eye Moody, it's kind of the, um, I think, the first step in what leads eventually to Umbridge and this kind of, like, usurping of the goodness within the castle walls.
0: Right. And I think it also goes Mm. with, you know... Dumbledore Dumbledore being headmaster, people say, oh, Dumbledore's like the best wizard in the world. So if anyone, anywhere is safe, it's Hogwarts because Dumbledore's looking out for everyone. But even he didn't realize that, you know mad eye moody wasn't who he said he was so he kind of infiltrated that whole um you know well into lexi's point all of a sudden rita skeeter too can just kind of show up and walk around as she
3: wants it's kind of like oh you jackasses you guys are paying attention (laughs) to this right not only are the olympics going on right now but a serial killer breaks in once a year pretty much so like let's get these alarms updated
0: and of course, Rita Skeeter is uh, JK Rowling's shot at the tabloids mm-hmm. in the media, especially in Britain, like the Daily Mail, which is notoriously, uh, you know, uh, just a, a just a tabloid that just, you know, goes it because as a celebrity herself, you know, she would get these reports written up about, you know, like her divorce and all this stuff. So that's kind of her own personal shot at the UK media.
2: Right, which was really minimized in the movie. She does a little bit of trying to twist the truth, but I guess in the book, right. you know, we find out that she's a lot sneakier than we would suspect.
0: Yeah, because in the book, so she, she keeps getting these scoops that are like, "Well, how did she hear us talking about that?" Like, she—they don't—the they, kids are trying to figure this out. Then at the end, they realize she's an unregistered animagus who turns into what, like, a butterfly? I think she's a beetle. No, a beetle. Like, oh. Yeah,
3: yeah, it's like a skeeter She's a reader, ski, reader skier. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. actually,
5: I felt like it was maybe kind of an important thing to leave. I understand why they left it out of the movie, but if you look at the way that the Force you know, this fourth installment connects to the next piece of the story. So much of it is about how people are now turning on Harry Potter as a public figure. Mm. And like, we see, you know, that, um, is true of his peers. Like there are students who think that in the fourth book, he has put his name into the goblet. They think that he's lying about, you know, how Cedric died and Voldemort being back and all these things. And Rita Skeeter is kind of laying the groundwork for a lot of that mistrust to form with her stories. She's, you know, is embellishes and she really puts, her own spin on things Mm -hmm. and um i feel like isn't she putting out papers that um like people gobble up and they
0: yeah i mean she's like she's she's really popular in the wizarding world but she just basically makes stuff up with her like quick quilt quick quotes Mm -hmm. quill um what i think is interesting is there's a lot of parallels to like current events with like you know the fake news and stuff like that where it's like we have this whole alternate reality society kind of yeah where it's like you know people like you have these like far right media outlets and stuff that just kind of make stuff up or exaggerate certain things to make it put their own spin on it um you know that's basically what rita skeeter is doing and later in in the later movies where um you know voldemort at first he doesn't just come out in full power he kind of soft takes over the ministry of magic to where like they're putting out false information. You can't even trust the government. You can't trust Cornelius Fudge. Um, so a, a lot of a lot of parallels to like what's going on in the world right now. Very interesting, right? Which I'm sure will Very. be
2: expanded upon in the in the future movies as we go on. But Skeeter definitely, yeah, I think has a much larger role in shaping the narrative around Harry Potter and, and the good characters, let's say, in this universe. And her minimized role in this definitely, I think, is probably going to detract from kind of the effectiveness in the later movies that it could have had if it was more fleshed out.
0: Right. And also what you were saying, Lexi too, about, um, Harry, he's always been like kind of popular at school. And now like everyone's kind of like a lot of people don't like him and they're like mocking him and laughing at him, which is kind of funny because like people were cheering on like the Weasley, the friend George Weasley, they were trying to get past it and like people were cheering him on. But because, they feel like he kind of cheated and got his name in there. Like they turn on him and basically for the first time, he's like very unpopular at Hogwarts and he has to kind of walk around and deal with that.
1: Mm.
0: Um, So yeah, very interesting. The parallels with Cedric where Cedric's like this golden
3: boy. Well, can I tell you what this movie didn't have enough of uh, to back all that up was Draco Malfoy. I wanted to see more bullying. You know, I love my boy Draco. That's true. And in this one, he's just hanging up in that tree, kind of being a <laughs> rascalian
5: and yeah, Why scene. is he in like, that yeah. tree? It's I said it, like, when see, It was such up? a
0: goofy moment. I thought for sure, I was like, is he eating an apple? <laughs> <laughs> they did have the scene, which is in the book, where uh, Mad Eye, not actually Mad Eye, Crouch Mad Eye, but turns him into a ferret and is like bouncing mm. him up and down. Too much. But that's in the book. Um, In the book, he's slamming
2: him on the ground, isn't he? It's (laughs) a lot
0: worse. (laughs) Um, This guy's a maniac. You know, because that should have been a sign that maybe this guy is not who he says he is if he's doing this stuff. But maybe because Mad-Eye is just known as being crazy, he kind of got away with it. Yeah.
2: Um, Uh, One thing real quick with Mad-Eye Crouch, too, is you get when Harry goes into his office and hears the guy yelling in the chest. He's like, oh, there's just crazy stuff in this office. And Harry's so naive that he's like, okay. Right.
0: Yeah, he says. Oh, I, I wouldn't. I'm not even going to tell you what's in there. You wouldn't believe me if I did. <laughs> and then also the the faux anyways. glass that they introduce. This is a big part of the books too, where he he's not in danger until they see the whites of his eyes. And at the end in the books, um, Harry's in his office with him, and then you see those silhouettes, and they finally become into come into clarity. And it's Dumbledore, McGonagall, and Snape, and then they bust in the door. And they don't show that in the movie. I wish they did.
5: Just going uh, back to that one moment where he said, hey, "You're right." He does say, "You wouldn't believe what I have in this trunk." Right mm-hmm. in the book, I think they cover it better. Like, doesn't he oh, say yeah. it's a bogart? And like, we've all learned about boggarts totally. by the third book. Well, this is
0: another movie. problem that I had mm. overall with Moody because right. in the movie, I think they make it a little too obvious of what's going on. Like, they cut to Moody a lot, and mm. like him, like you know, at the him pushing Harry in the water or whatever, and like. Um, I think I just feel like in the books they made it it was a little more mysterious of like who put his name in the goblet in this it's like very obvious if you're looking for it that Moody's like puppeteering the whole thing right.
3: Well, I would say this is some of her weakest writing too, Jacob. Do you understand the need for the James Bond villain of it all when he has to say at the end, it was me who gave Neville the thing and it was me who did this and I'm your greatest enemy. And he's just laying it all out to Harry, who once again is just like completely clueless. Like if you're not giving <laughs> these him these breadcrumbs, he's right. not putting two and two together. So just like, let him have it, dude. Yeah, he doesn't yeah, solve the mystery. It
0: was, I do think it was a little subtler in the book. Like, um... Even with with Crouch, the Barty Crouch Senior dying, and then they just come upon his body, in the books like yeah. he kills him, and then he like transforms him into a bone, and it's just like a bone laying on the ground, which is like yeah, if you're a wizard, you're not just gonna leave a dead body there. You're gonna probably transfigure it into something so you can hide your evidence better. But yeah. for the movie, I think they wanted to make it a little more obvious, so they just had yeah. I don't well, know. then what I are mean,
3: we amazed? They cut the mom stuff out too. It's that seems so important. Well, the, to the plot, again, the
0: whole okay. Pensieve memory thing is just so shortened, like. You don't get Bellatrix Lestrange. And there's this whole character, Ludo Bagman, that you don't get that's in the books. Mm. Um, There's just a lot of detail that's cut out.
5: I have a question for you guys about that um, big speech that Voldemort makes in the graveyard regarding, you know, what it was that saved Harry, this old magic. I feel like I have a really big problem with this because it's hard for me to believe that nobody else was protected (laughs) by love.
0: Right. Well, they... I, they is do it explain old it magic, later. <laughs> like I think later in the books, like Twenty Twenty sure They go in a little more detail of how it works. Where like you have to do like this whole charm where it's like okay, true love and stuff because it's the love of a mother to a son. Um, but oh. there's like certain things. You, it's it's not just love. Like there's okay. a specific spell.
5: I, I, this is like ringing a bell. So. Sh- maybe Lily, like, cast a very specific spell right before everything so. went down? Yeah. Okay. Right. I right like, here, see, This is a
3: movie that ends with a guy who was a rat giving a complex spell <laughs> that is like the bone of a father, <laughs> ungiven. The blood of this right. person taken unwillingly. <laughs> so I'm like, I, I have completely checked out of how the magic works
0: in well, this again, universe. And, and then again, they explain later like with Pettigrew, so um, Harry's parents go into hiding when they find out that they're gonna be they're on like the hit list for the the for Voldemort, right? So, but they go into the specific hiding where they have a secret keeper, right? And there's one specific person that they tell where they are, and the only way that anyone can find him is through the secret keeper. Well, of course, they chose Peter Pettigrew to be their secret keeper, and that's why they get betrayed. Um, so who's I just think all oh, that's Who, very who's interesting. Who's that kid? Who's the rat? Let's make him our secret <laughs> keeper, right? Sirius Black, your best friend. Yeah,
2: no, no, no. Can't trust my best friend. Um here's a question I have about this whole plot, which by the way I do love plunking like gross baby Voldemort <laughs> into the cauldron. But um
3: <laughs> it's we like haven't f- said Mike, Ray Finds. It's the best. He's here. Ray Finds oh,
2: he yes. great yeah. as Voldemort for sure. Oh yeah, he's he's killing it. But as a tactician, right, this whole Tri Wizard tournament scheme is to get Harry to touch the the cup, which is a port key, right? Right. But you have Mad-Eye Moody just be like, Harry, hand me that book. <laughs>
0: Oof, no, yeah, right? it's, it's, one. <laughs> it's a very convoluted plan just to get him to touch a touch
3: of poor
1: team,
0: <laughs> But at for this sure. yeah, point, for Mike, sure. you're just sacrificing
3: pawns. You just say, go impersonate a teacher when you get into a room with him, Avada Kedavra. What's the difference? Like, if you die, right. it's nothing to See, me. Even if Voldemort wanted to kill no, him himself,
2: he yeah. could have just, like said, can you hand me that book, Harry? And then he's in the graveyard. Let's rock and roll, you know?
0: Yeah, Voldemort very specifically wanted to be the one to kill Harry because he failed to kill him the first time. So he almost feels like a personal affront to him where it's right. like, he's he the most powerful to wizard. Yeah, he's like, how yeah. could this baby just, you know, you know, this baby stopped me when I'm the most powerful wizard in the world. So he wanted to really humiliate Harry before he killed him. Psyche, mm,
3: Lexi, <laughs> Doesn't Cole. Do we think the um, the the special effects hold up? The no nose on Voldemort, the whole look, the bald head, all that stuff. I mean, as a kid, is this what you thought the Dark Lord would look like?
5: I loved that bald head. Yes, well, (laughs) there's some like I mean, truly, that performance is really good. It's Mm. so scary, and there's like this weird kind of sensuality to Voldemort. He like rubs his bald head, and this really like
3: (laughs) I feel like um,
0: he's a penis, Lexi. It's it's
3: (laughs)
5: hidden.
0: Voldemort is a penis. I also feel like the way he, the way Ray Fiennes plays him, like he's he's very queer coded too. Mm. Where it's like it's similar to like how vampires have been like queer coded in movies a lot too, where he's just very dramatic, you know, and like the way he moves around and stuff. But in the books, he's um, very described as very snake. Like his eyes are very snake. Like Um, his nose isn't really described as like being like no nose, but I think it works because he's just, he's like almost a snake person now.
5: Yeah. And I I feel like making that leap, from um, him being on the back of Coral's head to him just not having a nose now is like <laughs> fine. Okay. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yes. <laughs> because George he's Lucas not really... would have
2: gone back and redone the CG and released the new version anyway. So Right.
0: But he's not fully human anymore. He's lost so much of what made him human that he's just like this other thing now.
2: Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, I think definitely it's like probably one of the more iconic looking villains in cinema. I mean, they did a great job. Ray finds performance is awesome and yeah, it's the first time seeing the legendary he who must not be named definitely yeah. makes a
3: statement and just Cole that whole... white skeleton man, black robe.
4: I, I yeah, I, I mean, I echo what these two have already said. I think he's, I think he's great.
0: Oh. Yeah. And the death eater look is very, you know, very unsubtle of like, you know, obviously looking like the Ku Klux Klan, right. With the pointed they dial it back
2: a little bit, uh, the next movies, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty on the nose. I guess I'm just a, a Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey fan, and that's why I like the way Voldemort looks. I just realized totally that it's yeah, he looks like death, yeah. right? Yeah.
0: yeah. No. yeah.
5: Uh. <laughs> Wait, is that though? I've never seen yeah. Bill and yeah, Ted, yeah. but that's from like the Seventh Seal, right? Which, yeah, originally yeah, yeah. that's yeah. the yeah.
0: Seventh <laughs> Seal reference. Yeah, <laughs> he's playing chess with death.
5: Um,
2: yeah, yeah, it's a triwizard tournament of sorts.
0: Yeah, but that whole scene, once they get to the graveyard, I think that's so good, like, that climax of the movie. Like, that might be my favorite, like, third act of, of any of the movies where it just gets, like, there's the tonal shift of, like, oh, Cedric. And also, like, the the guilt that Harry feels because he goes back for Cedric, right? And then he's like, let's touch it together, blah, blah, blah. If he didn't do that, Cedric's still alive, right? So he's got to feel, like, a lot of guilt about Terrence, mm-hmm. Cedric's death. But just the tonal shift of, of this, you know, the tournament going into the graveyard and all of a sudden shit's getting real and all of a sudden you know he he looks and he sees riddle on the grave and he's like oh man we're in, we're in big trouble and then you know, just okay, the would suddenness. you work for a
3: little baby man that you had to carry around <laughs> and he just did bad little <laughs> no. things and said like America never and like pointed it at people <laughs> and they exploded
0: no i wouldn't um but yeah and the suddenness with which you know cedric dies and it's like that in the books too where it's just like kill the spare and then he's dead and it's just like so final that like oh they just killed a student right it's brutal
2: yeah it's a uh, that line read to have killed the spare it's like
0: man it's like the, he doesn't even deserve a name right he's just the spare he's Terrible. just thrown away and we should also mention right obviously cedric played by robert pattinson this is before he was anybody and so harry the Harry Potter casting people really discovered him and and then he, uh,
3: did you guys do a little research? I was very shocked to see this, that he had done some stand in work on the two previous Harry Potter films. That's sort of what got him in the role. He just, he was nobody at the time. So he was just sort of an extra.
0: And it's really probably thanks to that, that he, you know, got Twilight and everything else. So yeah, Well, it's also thanks
2: to Harry Potter and the novels becoming more mature and entering into the teenage years that the YA movement became as big as it did and spawning Twilight as even a book series, let alone Robert
3: Pattinson starring in it. So it's all connected. Lexi, have you read all the Twilights? Should we be doing
0: that instead of this? I read them.
5: No. (laughs) (laughs) They're really badly written.
0: It's like fanfic, fanfic quality writing, basically. In ten
2: years, when we run out of things to do in sequence for a whole that's right. month, that's we'll finally fall back
4: onto
0: it. Yeah. One thing I also wanted to mention is that um, Colin brought it up before Neville Longbottom. This time, watching this, I realized that like at this point, Neville is already way cooler than Harry in this movie. Yep. Like, hey, uh, uh, just
3: to do our Neville watch this time, Jacob. I wrote that in my notes. He's looking good in this one. The long yeah, hair already, is
0: working on him. He's already ugly yeah. ducking. He's already Mm -hmm. ugly, ugly ducking, turning into the swan. And he's just cooler than Harry in every way in this movie where he's, you know, he gets the girl all night. Me, Neville, the loser. He's he's, he's dancing, buddy. You got to get some (laughs) self-esteem. Well, it's funny to think about. He's, he's also, you know, he went to the dance with Harry's future wife, right? Ginny. Um, so that's kind of funny. Who was
2: in this movie. She was in it. She stood (laughs) in the background and stuff. She was in the movie. Still not
0: that important, but she will be, um, but Neville and then yeah he's he's coming into his own he's learning about plants he loves plants and uh and then Harry's kind of a dick to him too when he's like trying to help Harry and then and Harry's like uh, no offense, Neville, but like, I really don't have time for this, blah, blah, blah. He's just being a real dick to him. It's like, man, Neville's trying to help you. So I wish it right? was Neville Longbottom in the Goblet of Fire. Hell yeah. Well, we, we
2: get there. And yeah, I was on Neville watch for this too. And it's like, you know what? Ooh. Yeah, we learn he loves plants. He gets tortured by his teacher. We get a little bit more of what's going to manifest later on in the series. This is the seed being planted. And I'm looking forward to Neville watch for the next <laughs> couple of uh, movies here.
0: Yeah. Hell yeah. I do have a really fun fact about the dance. So we obviously have that wizard band, which is in the books, they're called the weird sisters, right? And they're like the most popular wizarding music. It's the only time we have, there's only two times that I can think of that. We have music in the, the movies. That's not orchestral score, right? We have this Mm -hmm. one. And then in seven part one, which we'll get to, there's a Nick cave in the bad seeds song, which I, I love that scene as well. But, um, this so this band they wrote original music for this the do the hippogriff song right and there's a later there's a slow Classic. song later too um but the members of that band are different uh uk musicians from famous bands so the the lead singer is jarvis cocker from the band pulp and if you're a radiohead uh mega fan like me you might recognize Johnny Greenwood on guitar and Phil Selway on the drums. So very cool. I have a question.
5: Were, are they Harry Potter fans? Like,
0: I don't think so. I think they're just, they were just, um, you know, musicians and they wanted to have like some UK musicians actually play the musicians. So it's just a little fun, uh, God, cameo. You would think surely, Lexi, but I think at that
3: point, yeah, they were probably too old and it probably mm. just hadn't hit as hard yet.
0: Yeah. I don't think Johnny Greenwood gives a shit about Harry they Potter. kids just something that were in it. Though. Yeah. Into it. yeah
2: yeah like the vigo mortensen effect he only took the job because his kid was a lord of the rings fan maybe there's some type of that effect
0: right I didn't well know even that. alfonso curan had never yeah. read harry potter before taking on the movie but then after he read it yeah he, he was signed on um but yeah johnny greenwood obviously would later go on to do music scores including there will be blood as well as others so um pretty cool to see him there Well, as we
2: know for this series, there will be Half-Blood in a little bit. Um, And it is cool seeing wizard rock stars. I wonder what their after-parties are like, um, for sure. Uh, But in the meantime, let's have them play us out of here as we go to our final thoughts. Can you dance like a hippogriff?
1: I know I can
3: folks we're back we're talking the goblet of fire the fourth book our final thoughts here we're gonna throw it over to our guests to start with and lexi and cole since it's kind of your last time here again just sort of anything you wanted to say about harry potter what it meant to you growing up any final last thoughts uh siblings that you know were more obsessed with it than you guys that's sort of what we found too is maybe even just a little bit younger than us was the real peak time for it
4: not me I think I think for me I think what I'm learning is how much uh I missed out on on this storyline by not reading the book you know I don't think I ever knew how much was cut out of the movie or not cut out yeah. cut out of the book be for the movie um which is interesting
5: yeah I um I think that it got me it just like got me excited to dive back in I'm definitely gonna reread um Definitely five, six, and seven.
3: Um, well, would and- you start with this one, Lexi? We got the recommend from Cassie last week that maybe the fourth is the one you go on. So, Cole, maybe you guys read it together, too. I might jump in on that, too. Yeah,
4: I, I was think thinking about so. starting from the beginning, but I've already read the first three, and I'm pretty familiar with them. So maybe this is the one I started with.
0: Yeah, no, I'm telling you get the audiobooks and I did I have 4 through 7 on audiobook and this is where I would start for sure.
5: I actually did 3 and 5 on audiobook a couple summers ago and um, I just took I was um, at home in Florida and I would just like walk up and down the beach and I listened to the entire books that way but I skipped 4 because I knew it the best. Mm. Um, wow. Yeah, so I feel like I would be thrilled to reread 4 and start there. I it's still my favorite, still my favorite. Something about that tournament yes yes yeah i guess
2: i'll jump in then i think the the fourth one again yeah you have a tournament which is a fun kind of framing device for the for the plot and everything it's a little bit silly again just give them a port key textbook but uh it lets you have fun wizard adventures fun classes and then you get the dark kind of turn much like empire things are now a lot more serious at the end of it and gets you excited to know what's going to happen uh with these characters so I, I do enjoy it, and it's been my favorite so far, and it's making me excited to explore the ones that I'm less familiar with. And I think I might go the audiobook route for, um, yes. you know, the stay-at-home Order of the Phoenix and, and everything like that. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm... What I'm a I'm little in, book club we're about to put
3: together, guys. I, so I, I, so I might like go audio, too. Audio audio
2: <laughs> an audiobook club. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to... Uh, the future of the Potter series. I was just kind of going along for the ride, but now I'm like actively engaged. And that's what this movie did for me. <laughs> that's how it gets you.
0: Um, I like that. For, for me, um, I'll just go over my, my good and bad and ugly real quick, if you don't mind, but yeah, um, I really, you know, I do like this movie. I like all the movies, but again, I can't fully get behind it just because, and I did go back and listen to the first couple chapters of the audio book the other night. And um, it's just so interesting to see when they go to the Quidditch World Cup and they're in the camp and you just get so much world building. They see their friend like Seamus there and they're talking to him. He's a big Irish supporter, obviously. Oh, shock. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you just get so much much of the little details of the wizarding world that it's just – it glosses over in the movies. And I understand why because you can't put a whole novel into a movie – and expect to get every little bit. Um, so I totally understand that. But just the the removal of the entire Quidditch game, the glossing over, the the rushing of everything, that's my biggest problem with this. What I do like is what's there, you know, the, the cup, the events, the dragon, big action set pieces, and then I love the climax. Everything from when he touches the cup on is just so well done. You know, Voldemort finally appearing in the flesh, Really good stuff. Um, And another thing I like about this movie is you get to see more of Harry's classmates, I feel like. Like, it's really kind of opening up the school. Like, there's more kids here than just Harry and Ron and Hermione and Draco, right? Like The twins have their most lines, Jacob. I noticed Yeah, we see more of the twins. We see a little more of Ginny. We see more Neville. We see um, even like Cho Chang and different um, other, you know other students from other houses. Like it just feels more like an actual school and less like, you know, we are following three kids. Right. So I like that aspect of it. Um, and the, I think the worst part. Yeah. I just have a lot of nitpicks about certain things, but that's just a personal thing. Overall. I think the movie is a decent, is a good movie. I don't think it's as good as prisoner Azkaban, but uh, I enjoy it because it's from my, it's adapted from my favorite mm. book. Yeah, gotcha.
3: Colin. I'm happy to hear that, Jacob. All right, I'll jump in. So, uh, you know, we said enough about the breakneck pace. It's too much for me. But this movie has lines. When I think again about Ron explaining how he asked a girl out, and he says, you know how they're walking. You know how I like how they walk. And it cuts (laughs) to Harry, who nods when he says that. Immediately, I'm like, this is the best movie ever made. They're getting Um,
0: hormones, yeah.
3: Totally. There's... Yeah, Mike, I'm totally with you where while I was watching it, I was like, this is my favorite one we've watched so far. Then there's a moment that puts it like complete halt to me, uh, where right after they put their names in, Ron is sitting at the table with the other kids. They're all eating their meal. And he's got like a young assistant named like Percy or something, a first year who comes up and goes, here you go, Mr. Weasley. And they're kind of like talking for a minute. (laughs) And it dawns on you in that exact moment that how much of a baby that little kid looks like three movies ago, that's what your lead characters look like. It was so jarring to me this time that I was like, ah, I just, I don't know. (laughs) Like I got so anxious. This is a, this is this series, man. You just watch these kids grow up and you can instantly become so detached to, Oh, yeah, they look like the age that they do in the current movie. But now I just find myself going back to the babies in that first one and just thinking like, oh, my God, like what a little journey you're all about to go on. And it scares me. I just want them all to be safe and OK. I like those right. earlier movies because of that now.
0: Well, it's really a testament. Like- of how
3: scary it's going to get. Yeah, I feel yeah, like- it right. gets
0: dark. And like we said before, the casting of the main trio, like they had to cast those kids as, you know, 10, 11 year olds and then picture like what they were going to turn into by the by the seventh movie. So that, I think it's like one of the best casting decisions, like in terms Went of like lifetime marketability, like that could have gone so wrong. So good job casting people of Sorcerer's Stone. <laughs>
5: Yeah. Has anybody yeah. else heard this story that um, Daniel Radcliffe was actually spotted at a play? Like he didn't audition and he wasn't in the play; he was in the audience, yeah, seeing it. the same play as whoever wh- you know, whatever casting director was was and there you're as well. The
3: kid, God, right. I, so, I, I so I how that does that he was happen? Like the
4: street. <laughs> Yeah. I always said that J.K. Rowling
0: came across him on the street. That was the rumor, I remember, oh, but I never believed uh, it.
4: That's that's. I mean, knowing how movies work, that's bullshit. Right? She saw the. Stars well, I did read a little the about the
0: casting, and I mean, they did cast you know hundreds of kids for each role. Like they did look at hundreds of kids, so he was chosen out of hundreds. But I also read that Tom Felton, who plays Draco Malfoy, did originally audition to be Harry, and they're like, sure. "Oh, maybe you could be Malfoy."
5: So. <sighs>
2: I mean, th- over 3,000 people auditioned just for the part of Cho Chang um, in this. So, I mean, this is after oh, wow. it's become a phenomenon. So, who yeah. knows how many people oh auditioned for Harry, God. but I'm sure we're approaching the thousands for these main characters, too. So, mm-hmm. insane. Yeah. And the fact that they picked the right people is, you know, a, a testament to the casting director. So, good work. You probably and really none the of franchise.
0: And none of these actors as kids growing up had any kind of, like, drama off, off screen, you know, like, like a Miley Cyrus type thing. So... Really? I mean, they just no, nail, nailed know, it. No, you know, we
3: haven't hit the point yet. Uh, Dano Radcliffe has been pretty open. He has some battles with sobriety, I think, mm. from six on. So mm. we maybe you should keep an eye out for the differences <laughs> yeah. in the performance. Maybe, I yeah. don't know. But uh, now he's a perfectly well-adjusted young man, as they all are. So hats off to him.
2: Yeah, or woman. But uh, yeah, wizard hats off. Witch hats off to them. Um, <laughs> Portkeys on, Mike. Wizard hats off. Portkeys on. on. My last note is yeah, we do get Lucius being outed as a confirmed uh, wizard racist, Lucius right. Malfoy. Right. So that's a big moment. The identity of the the Death Eaters being revealed. What uh, I love how Lucius' yeah.
0: whole character is how he's like, you know, when he when Voldemort's there, he's like the biggest suck up. But like behind, but like when. Voldemort's not around he's kind of like trying to weasel his way back into like proper society and like yeah he you know, starscream
2: he starscream yeah. yeah and that's what David Tennant's character hates is the people who denounce Voldemort and acted like they didn't still believe right, right. he wants to because he's a true he, believer but he only wants the fanatics yeah but, yeah uh,
0: Lucius is just there he's just is in power he's going to try to like suck up to them basically
2: yeah yeah Mitch McConnell um, so Ugh. we'll, uh, we'll see how dark this gets going forward. And I did confirm 170 to 160 Ireland over Bulgaria in oh the Quidditch God. World Cup.
3: <laughs> I hate you. Quidditch. <laughs> they should have <laughs> held out. Right. I, I
2: just think JK Rowling doesn't understand sports. That's all. At I'm sorry, all. Like not so even close. Obvious, let alone yeah. the World
3: Cup, let alone creating a World Cup. But before we get I out took of here, a week uh, off Lexi of work. Cole, uh, any socials you want to share with us for the, for the listeners to check out? Nope. <laughs> Fair enough.
5: Um, I'm night. I'm at Lexi Pepper. Uh, Lexi All underscore Lexi. Pepper. She's
3: amazing. hire Lexi. She's amazing.
5: All right, and oh, uh, Normies. That'd be great. You
3: can, it's true. You can always find us at Normies underscore like underscore us. Like our awesome listener last week who sent in some feedback for our Potter Times. Thank you. Do Chris. It right now. Let us know what you're thinking. Uh, shout out to you. Um, you know. In the future, tell us what you would like us to cover. But right now, we're going to be doing this for a little while longer or maybe forever if you also want us to do the Fantastic Beasts saga. <laughs> so let us know. Let us know.
2: Absolutely. We appreciate you going on this journey. Again, uh, Lexi, Cole, thanks for coming on by. You have a thanks scary name, Cole but we're glad that you're here. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the best, the best one we've had, though, guaranteed. We really enjoyed having this conversation with you all. Thank you.
5: Me Thomas. too. Thank you.
2: All right, well, as always, shall we do the rounds on the way out of here, Colin? I got some bag of flu powder, or
3: we could grab a port key. It's your call. No, I'd say we got to go, so let's hit it. This has been your host. As always, this is Colin Crouch, Jr. Mad-Eye Mikey, I'm out of the box.
0: This is Jacob Diggory. That's my boy! That's my <laughs> oh, boy! a sad one to end on. Bye, normies!
2: Bye.